Listeners, last week, producer Ponyo and I were at the Washington coast at an artist retreat called Trailer Blaze, put on by Short Run Comics Festival. This week, we are in Portland, Oregon, where we caught up with series regular Morgan for a triumphant return that starts with her giving some advice to someone who is having a roommate crisis. While I was at the Southwester last week, I caught up with autobiographical cartoonist Julia Wirtz, and we had a chat in my travel trailer. Please enjoy this episode. Dear Nicole, my roommate has become the biggest stressor in my life. I walk on eggshells around her, waiting for her to flip out over my supposed minor transgressions. I ate the rest of her 99-cent jelly. I used her computer after she said I could not, after she said I could, but didn't know she had to be home while I used it. In any event, I know I have to move out. I plan on finding a place in the next month when I finish up this semester of graduate school. She has no idea I am looking for another place, and she is impossible to talk to regarding her outbursts. I have tried in the past. She never acknowledges her part in the dissolution of many friendships and relationships over the years. For example, I am the fourth roommate she has had in 10 years. All the others no longer speak to her for similar reasons. When I break the news to her, when I do in fact find a new apartment, frankly, I'm scared. I'm scared she's going to scream and act out and lash out at me. Even writing this to you now, I can feel my stomach turning from the anticipation of her reaction. How do I get through the next month or so till I find a new place? When do I give her two months notice or whatever? How do I maintain my emotional safety when I tell her I'm leaving? And then the in-between time, gathering and packing my things. I'm trying to be mindful and also compassionate, but this is someone who has made a hostile living environment and I can't afford the anxiety. Please help. And thank you, thank you. Signed, Scared in the Slums. P.S. I don't want a friendship with her now, nor ever again. Also, I can't wait to read your next book. Thanks again. (laughs) Scared in the Slums. All right. You know what I have to say real quick is anything she says to you doesn't mean anything. It's just information. Doesn't mean anything. She could literally say, you're a piece of garbage and I've always thought so. That just means that that's just information. Mm-hmm. You don't need to take that on. Yep. Her right to say whatever she wants. Your right to, you know, believe it or not. And your right to live wherever you want. Like, I will say one thing. Four roommates in 10 years doesn't seem that unreasonable to me. It seems very reasonable. I think roommates, roommate relationships are, have an inherent timeline. They're not intended to be forever relationships in my universe. Um, but I say just be straightforward. It always has been my best policy is say what you need to say and then just stand in your truth, own it, let her do what she needs to do or don't. You can always send an email if that feels more comfortable, but I say just sit down and say it. She can freak out if she wants, but it doesn't change your trajectory or your plan and just do what you need to do to take care of yourself and if you know that it might be an uncomfortable month or two then maybe plan some activities to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and that you have plenty of cozy time to counterbalance that and know that this is all temporary and you will have a nice safe and stable home in the very near future two months is or even a month if you don't want to give her two whole months like a month is 
will go by very quickly and it, the days may feel long, but the month will go by fast. And yeah, you got this. You got this. I, once I had a really, and a, a roommate that I was leaving and she was going to be mad at me. So I just paid double rent that month. I gave her a month's notice, but I just moved out that day Yeah, into my new place and a bunch of people helped me because they understood how yeah. she was. And so then I didn't have to live with her for that month. Mm-hmm. I've similarly had a roommate I had to ask leave and I just was like, hey, I think, I was like, I don't know why, but it just isn't really working out. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that we're not compatible. Like, I really like you. I will be your friend. That was true. But I was like, but this isn't working out. And she yeah. was like, yeah, I agree. Because she knows. Because you both feel the weirdness. Yeah. Even if neither of you is acknowledging it. Yeah. Chances are she already has the same information that you have from her own set of experiences. I mean, I I would think not to lie. Just be like, oh, hey, I found a place that's a better fit for me. Yeah. So I'm going to go there. Yeah. I don't know. That's all. And just let it hit the floor. And it's going to feel uncomfortable for a minute, like Morgan said. But just that's it. You know, there you can't control the situation. There's not a magic thing you can say to make her be a different person. Mm-hmm. All you can do is fortify yourself. Exactly. And, um... Because you even had to kick people out before. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things in life that some conversations are really uncomfortable. But I think if you know that this is 100% true for you, you just say it. Let, you know, whatever. You can't control anyone else's response. So they'll do their thing. And then... Then then you just move forward. So, yeah. And also, if she freaks out and, like, turns into... She, like, spins in a circle screaming and turns into a bat and flies around <laughs> the house. And that's the information you need to know that you're making the right decision. Exactly. Um, oh, there's something I keep thinking and I keep losing the train of thought. Oh, what I was going to say is that I am a strong believer, too, in that you don't need to over-explain or be like, these are all the reasons why. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 17, 19, 20, 20. Like, all you need to say is exactly it's not a good match or it doesn't fit anymore or you found someplace that is better suited to you and you don't need to explain yourself. You can just leave it. If they have questions, they can ask. Usually people only ask the things that are important for them to know and then it's just cleaner. Yeah. Keep it clean. Don't defend your boundary. Keep it classy. Keep it clean. Keep it classy. Good luck, scared in the slums. Julia Wirtz is a memoir cartoonist, best known for her books Drinking at the Movies, Fart Party, and her series of illustrated histories for The New Yorker. Her upcoming book, Tenements, Towers, and Trash, an unconventional illustrated history of New York City, comes out in October of 2017. You can pre-order it now. Please enjoy my talk with Julia Wirtz. Julia Wartz, welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Thank you for having me. Welcome to my trailer. <laughs> Thank you for having me. No <laughs> uh, producer Ponyo is here. She's checking the levels. She uh, has her headphones on. She's making sure everything's going as planned. Can you describe where we are and why we're here? So we're at Southwestern, is that how you say it? For... Short, uh, the Short Run Residency. Short Run is the Comics Commission in Seattle that I'll be at this year. And I am in Nicole Jordy's trailer that is, uh, it's very uh, uh, retro aesthetic, I believe yeah. they would call it. And it smells like chlorine. Yes, which is a nice smell. It's like summer. Yeah, welcome. I, I just came from the pool. Just kidding, I'm not. Where are you? You're staying in the lodge. 
Yeah, I'm in the lodge in the attic area in what's probably like the tiniest room in the... It's like two little two little cots almost in my room, but it's very cozy. Are you sharing it with Sarah yes, Glennon? Sarah took the big room. Oh. Yes, which was fair. I don't want to have her hear this and be like, what a bitch. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, you wanted the big room? <laughs> right. Well, you should have said something. You were so passive aggressive when you got here. You were so okay with the small room. What are you working on here? Uh, I just finished my book about New York City history, and now I'm just kind of purposefully working on nothing. Oh. Because I finished it here on Tuesday. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it was like the last six months I've been doing like 16 to 18 hour days on it. Really? Yeah, because everything kind of got really messy last year, so it got all crammed together. So from like... Uh, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. That's seven months of like 24-7 work days, and now I'm free. Do you work seven days a week or six days a week? Or uh, I did. I tried to work seven, and I actually went to Colorado so I could work every single day. So I like secluded for two months in November and December to get that done. So yeah, every single day. Isn't it fun? The life of a cartoonist. Yeah, I'm so glad I chose this career choice. It's <laughs> well, luckily it pays sense. off. <laughs> right, right, right. Because I'm rolling in that money. <laughs> I always ask people. I would love to know what you think. I always ask people what it's like, what they think it's like to date a cartoonist. I think I can abbreviate. Producer Ponyo is like, I'm tired of this question, but I think that it could be abbreviated to it's like dating an impoverished workaholic. But I wonder what you think it's like to date a cartoonist. Either from yeah. people dating you or you dating other people. I can only extrapolate from people dating me, which I I feel like is a nightmare. Like, I don't understand why, like, the guy I'm, I'm dating now, I, I feel like he should have dumped me a long time ago because it's just always work. And then when it's not work, it's just, like, all I'm thinking about or, like, yeah. it's hanging over my head. Uh, and, you know, when you've been, like, working all day and they're like, let's get dinner with friends. And I don't know if you have this problem, but I'm like, but I've been inside all day and I don't want to go outside with other people. Which is not, you know, a healthy way to live. So I don't really understand why dating a cartoonist is fun. No. And then they they, risk, they run the risk of ending up in a comic at some point. Which I found is actually a benefit for people. Like, people will be like, how come I wasn't in the comic? Sure. Well, the guy I'm dating is the guy that I made my first comic book about. Oh. So... Yeah, Fire Party Volume 1 is all about him, and then, you know, I moved to New York, and then we got back together after being apart for 10 years. So it's, a, it's a, almost a weird thing where, like, do I make another book about that, or do I, I just kind of let it be, because I already did it? Yeah. So, I don't know. But he's very funny, so it's kind of hard not to. Yeah, because he's saying good things all the time. Yeah, but then I'm like, but time is a flat circle if I'm making comics about our relationship again. <laughs> oh, God. You no you okay you worked on Fart Party for how long? Um let's see. I started Fart Party in 2005. And then, you know, I mean I did I've still do autobio. I guess it's yeah. kind of you consider it an extension of that. But I did two volumes of that and then kind of retired the name. And then I stopped doing most autobio when I started doing New York stuff. You kind of had like a Dave Chappelle moment with comics. I did. I quit for 2 years. Did you go to Africa? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to upstate New York and dicked around in a bunch of abandoned asylums. That was my thing. Yeah, I, I like freaked out and was just like, I can't do this anymore. And then I quit and did a bunch of urban exploring, which is just exploring abandoned buildings. And I made my income during those years by 
liberating objects from buildings that were about to be demolished and then selling them on eBay. Really? Yeah. So it's, it wasn't like... So in, in within that community, there's um, scrappers who like take the copper out of walls and like destroy the building. So I didn't do that. It was more just like uh, what, whatever I could find, or like if a building's about to be demolished, I would go in and remove the door hardware because that sells for a lot of money. Oh, there's a community. Are it's, you in the community now? No, they're terrible. They, who are they? Are they meth heads? They the copper thing sounds really methy. <laughs> the copper guys, the scrappers definitely are. You like it's horrible to run up. Again, like if you're exploring and you see a scrapper, it's just like don't. They're probably out of their minds. Um, but then there's a community of like urban explorers, where some are definitely more adult and they're cool and they're more photographers. But then there's this whole other community of just like kind of like punk punk guys who um, who are still into like being like fuck the man, and you're like that's not a real thing anymore. <laughs> After a certain point in adulthood. And uh, they're just, like, kind of weird and nasty, so I just avoided that whole community and kind of did it on my own with a couple of friends who who are more in that community, but they're less petty about yeah. it. So. What are, like, the safety measures you go through or things that you learned to do as you go through abandoned buildings? Mm. You have to learn – and actually, I was doing this yesterday. I was going through uh, some houses around here. You have to learn to spot signs of people squatting or living there, which is just, like – very quickly, if you go in and it looks like a total mess, you just look, like, scan real quick and see what's not dusty. So sometimes it'll just be, like, a coffee cup or, like, a vitamin thing. and Because uh, people will live in a pile of trash if that's what they want to be doing. But I've definitely gone in a few times and, like, thought it was abandoned and then, you know, made a corner and, like, some dude was in there. And I was just like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. excuse me. So, yeah, you just kind of learn to spot the, the signs of people because mm-hmm. it's amazing where people will live and in what conditions. What's, like, the craziest place that you found a person living? Probably there was this bungalow colony in the Catskills that was just, like, the roof was falling in and everything. So I was like, there's no way anyone's living in here. But, I, like, when I went in, there was just this dude, like, lying on the bed, and he just, he'd been shooting up. Mm. And I was like, well, I'm glad he was shooting up heroin and not crack because I'd rather run into a guy who's just like, he was like, it's cool, it's okay. Like, <laughs> He's oh, like, I really yeah. couldn't get up if I wanted to. Right, yeah. But, uh, mm. yeah, no, there's, you know, I've never really honestly been scared. I've, I've run into squatters and they've just, always, they've always been kind of like, it's all right, because they know that I'm not there to do anything and they're not there to do anything. Yeah. But I would never tell my mother that. <laughs> Mom, I ran into a bunch of squatters. Don't worry, he was doing heroin, not crap. Yeah, so, right. so it was cool. It was, so cool. It was totally fine. I had the leg up in that situation. <laughs> but do you ever like get tetanus or fall through a floor or something? Um, there, I've gotten, I have gotten hurt. The not tetanus, um, but once there was this one asylum I went into, and there was an indoor window, and I was like crawling through it, and it was rattling a little bit, and the whole pane of glass. <gasps> fell out and cracked over my head and uh and I was just waiting for like the cartoon blood trickle but I was totally fine but then I turned around and I slipped on ice and like my feet went up and I went down my back and I landed on my camera on the small of my back and I was just like this is a young man's game I'm too old for this I'm a woman in my 30s what am I doing but uh no I haven't got I mean I know people who have fallen through floors but you just you just have to be smart about it. Like, if a floor looks iffy, don't fucking walk on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
There was a abandoned insane asylum outside of Kansas City, Missouri, when I was growing up. I remember going there with a group of people. That's all. It was very creepy. Yeah, they are. They um like wall shackles creepy. Yes, I've yeah, I've definitely. There's different like levels of what's left behind in some of them, but there's yeah, there's ones where you like the electroshock therapy machines are there. I have some um uh, lobotomy tools that I have found. How did you know uh, there were lobotomy tools? Just from researching, yeah. You know, and being like, what is this? Because it's not just the the ice pick. You know, there's like other stuff that they they put in there. So um. In it, yeah, there's just, I mean, they walked away from these places and left all the equipment. A lot of times they would, like, put all the old stuff into, like, one building or something. And then when they leave it, they leave it all there. So you go in, and it's just, like, a weird time capsule of horrible treatment for mentally ill people. But it's fascinating. But you definitely learn to, um, you get callous to it, I guess. Because we used to spend the night in the asylums. Oh and, like, it God. wasn't creepy. Yeah. Uh but yeah, had someone been like in high school, if they were like, "Yeah, someday you're gonna be sleeping in these, like on sleeping bags," I would have been like, "No." Well, at the time, I remember being like, "It's so haunted. You can tell it's so haunted." Yeah. So the idea of somebody saying you have to sleep one night in there would have yeah, it's like my a mind. reality. I think there is actually a horror movie where they're like, "We'll spend one night in this asylum, and what happens?" And I'm like, "I've done that, and it wasn't." There weren't ghosts going in, like, backwards, fast motion, forward, slow motion, like... <laughs> or just, like, up, hanging up on the ceiling. Although there was this one... I don't necessarily believe in, like, ghost story stuff, uh, but there was this one asylum I went to um, in New Jersey. And I would go with, like, my exploring buddies all the time. And I went by myself once, and it was summer. It was really hot. And I was in this one patient corridor, and I just got so, like, so cold, like, unbelievably cold, even though it was, um, like, those places, if it's cold out, they're 10 degrees colder. If it's hot out, they're 10 degrees hotter inside. And I was like, this is really weird. I'm just freezing in this one area. And I got the heebie-jeebies real bad, which is not common. I usually don't. So I left, and I was doing some research, and it turned out that in, like, 1920-something, that corridor lost its heat power and 20 patients died and froze to death in their beds. Whoa. And so, I mean, I don't know. I don't really... That's, like, all the information I have for that story. Like, take it or leave it, whatever that means. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what happened, and who knows? Hi, Ponyo. Hi. Hi. Ponyo really likes that story. He does. He's like, oh. Ponyo's like, that was a great... That was he's, great. Like, he's, like, trying to crawl inside of me. Yeah, Ponyo <laughs> would love to be, like, in your sweater, in the pocket of that sweater... Uh, I had to, I wanted to ask you something more about that, but I can't remember what it was. But that's what's in your new book, except for with New York. It's you talking about the history of New York, and it's like a combination of comics and illustrations? Yeah, not necessarily like the history of the city and how it became to be, because I don't mention like, you know, the native people of New York or anything, but it's just sort of like little tidbits, little stories, like, uh, like when pinball was illegal, or... <laughs> God bless you, Yeah, bless you. Um, Or, like, the World's Fair stuff. Like, I would just try and find aspects of these well-known stories that weren't Mm well-known and then cover that. So, Mm -hmm. And then it's interspersed with, like, illustrations of the city then and, like, how it looks now on -hmm. certain blocks and stuff. Cool. I love how you draw buildings. I think it's... Thank you. And it's such a pain in the ass... It is. And geometric and fucked up, but it seems so satisfying because then when you're done, all those tiny, horrible details amass into one beautiful 
structure. Yeah. Well, hopefully. My brother uh, was making fun of me a couple months ago because I was just, I was having like a crisis. Like, why didn't I choose to do this? If I just done auto bio, I could have drawn stick figures and I would be like decades ahead in my, in my work. And, um, he was like, yeah, you don't want to be on your deathbed being like, I'm so glad I drew a thousand tiny windows. And I was like, that wasn't the response I was looking for, but it's I'll, true. <laughs> I'll be glad you drew a thousand tiny windows instead of 150,000 stick figures. <laughs> I think. Well, yeah, let's definitely hope that there's more uh, money in the drawing of thousand tiny windows and stick figures. But who One knows? One of my friends, his mom used to get commissioned. People would commission her to draw a portrait of their house. I've gotten a couple. I do like some. I haven't had time lately, but I've definitely had people, a couple people, send in like photos, and then I'll draw yeah. of that area. I love that. But yeah, people seem to like that. Like that, houses and pets. People want to be drawn like yeah. the things they love more so than like their own face. Yeah. So I think if you can corner one of those markets, I'm which cool. you've got the pets, I've got the pets. Yeah, people like that stuff. They do like that. I like that stuff, too. I like spending time with their pets. If people send me pictures of themselves, it's much more stressful and horrific to yeah. to capture them in a way that they want to be captured, which maybe you don't understand going into it. Mm-hmm. People are like, no, I wanted my hair to look like this. And you're like, but you didn't send me a picture of that. Or right. Like, I did a portrait one one time for someone, and they were like, can you... Sorry, I'll turn this off. They're like, can you make my cheekbones less... Uh, Oh, you know, I probably shouldn't tell a story because my agent, but I don't think she'll listen. Oh. She wouldn't care, but she was like, my cheek, my cheekbones like less. But I was like, but you have like beautiful cheekbones and those are, that's part of it. So, but yeah, you just never, people are too specific about yeah. themselves. Their bodies. What made you come back to comics? Um, how, how have I not really thought about that? I don't know. You know, it was almost like. So I was doing the exploring stuff, and then one day I... You were photographing. You were just doing lots and lots of yeah, photos and, like, journaling. Like had... Oh, you know what? It was it was um, a book that I illustrated. I got a con... Like, a this... Um... Do you know the TV show The Middle? I've heard of it, but I never watched it's it. It's been on for... I think they're going into their seventh season. It's, like, this family-friendly show, and it's very sweet. And um, I've been watching it forever, but no one in our demographic watches it. And one of the, the girls who's on it, she's the main character on it, Eden Cher, emailed me and asked if I would illustrate a book she was writing. And she was like, you probably don't know who I am. And I was like, I do, because I watched that show. I'm the only person in our age bracket who does. But it's, it's really sweet and funny, and I think more people should watch it. It's like very clean, so you would think it wouldn't be able to be that funny. Mm-hmm. But it's very good. Um, so yeah, so her and I worked on a book and came out last year, and that kind of kick-started sitting down and drawing again. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have, I have her to thank for that, otherwise... I mean, I couldn't, I can't, I can't be like in my 40s scrapping stuff from buildings and selling it on eBay. That's not a good way to make a living. <laughs> so, yeah, it was her. That was, that was it. Yeah. And then you're, Panya, give me a break. She's, she's trying to interject with the question. She wanted, she wanted to know uh, about the book you're working on about going to rehab. And yeah, so that one will that that's the one I'm gonna start working on now that I'm done with the New York one, and I'll do that with uh, Koyama. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it'll just kind of cover, not necessarily like the rehab part. I don't think I'm actually gonna take the readers to rehab, but I'm gonna do it through the letters I wrote to the girls in the studio that mm-hmm. I was sharing, the mm-hmm. Pizza Island studio. So I'm gonna put those in there, and then it's just kind of like the years that I was trying to figure all that out and. Uh, I just wanted to make a book where, like, I read a bunch of memoirs about, you know, people quitting drinking and all that. And they were so 
like one, two, three, like the disaster, the rehab, the the redemption. But that's not how it goes for like ninety percent of people or something that the, the go through that. So I was like, I want to make a book where it actually shows uh, where someone like you know goes to rehab and then just keeps fucking up because yeah. that was not my story. Where I was like, now it's great. It took years to like actually get everything under control. So it's just. I wanted to make a book that was more realistic of that journey, for lack of a better word. Yeah. That isn't so um, perfunctory, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's... That'll... Yeah. That'll hopefully come out in 2018. We'll see. It's mostly... I read... It's mostly written. Like, it's... You've drawn it already, but you're going to redraw it? What's up with that? Yeah. No, I, I made... Over a hundred pages of it in 2011 while I was still, like, going through that stuff. And then... And then I shelved it and then came back to it years later and I was like, this is terrible. Like, I can't, this is bad. A lot of this needs to be redone. Um, Because it was just too, like, you don't need a hundred pages of a character being like, how do I quit drinking? Walking around the city and having an existential crisis. I was like, I can condense that into one page and then just tell the reader that that happened for years. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to redo it so it was less um, navel-gazy, I guess. And put in more fun stuff, because fun stuff still did happen during those years. It wasn't, like, all doom and gloom. Alcoholics are a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, we're a riot. (laughs) As an Al-Anon, I want to tell you, alcoholics are really fun. Yeah. Whenever I'm trying to find an Al-Anon meeting, I'll accidentally walk in a room with people smiling and laughing, and I know that that's... The AA room? Mm Mm-hmm. Not the Al-Anon room. I need to walk a little further so more people are frowning. And look kind of upset. Yeah. Well, because with Alan on, people are still in it. Like, they have to go home and deal with that, the alcoholic in their <laughs> life. Because, uh, like, I, I've I've been in, in those rooms, and they're more serious. But, yeah, the AA people are just, like, cracking up. They're going out to dinner. It's very different, different at least from the, from the outside. Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts. Because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal. Hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever, but in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support and I look forward saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye. Um, is there anything you wouldn't write about? Is there anything in your life that you're like, I don't write about this? Because you and I are... You may not know this. You and I are both autobiographical cartoonists. I know you. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and so, like, I feel like I... I don't know what it's been like for you, but for me, like, you know, at a time, I was just, like... I was photocopying my actual diaries. Mm. And... You know, they're lightly edited, but I was just mm-hmm. photocopying my diaries. And then the, I, then at a certain point, I started getting self-conscious because people would be like, I know you. I know about you. And I'd sure. be like, you don't really know me because they'd yeah. never met me before. So then I got self-conscious and weird 
and so much more protective and private around certain parts of my life mm-hmm. um, that then that I was like, no one can have this. This is nobody's business. Yeah. Like, anything I give you is because I purposely thought about it really hard and crafted and went through three different editing stages and through like a marketing team and like and then I was so gracious about what I what I let you know uh yeah I don't do uh sex stuff just because I'm like a total pervert I I just feel like I already have told people so much that it's like maybe I'll just leave that one to be a just my little thing and people don't need to know yeah it's like I'm not squeamish about it. I just don't necessarily have the interest in sitting down and and drawing like sexual exploit things. Also, I am like, what if in what if I have kids someday and I don't really want them reading about <laughs> certain unsavory things that I did? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. I also don't like drawing sex stuff. I also feel yeah. like a perv, and I like, but I don't feel like drawing. Se- I don't like drawing sex stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I weirdly like. I had to draw a, a pinup picture for this queer pinup deck and I drew myself in a like a bikini and I was like this is the closest I'm ever gonna get yeah to drawing like a naked thing yeah well I thought about like I have drawn some for my own just my own records but my character is so cartoony and cute that it looked it was upsetting I was just like I drew this one comic where I was like uh like it was this it was this girl from okay cupid and I like she was playing um Oh, she, oh, the Care Bears were on TV while I was, like, going down on her, and I made a comic about that, and then I reread it, and I was like, ah! My, <laughs> my cartoon character doesn't do that! <laughs> You're like, that's... Well, this is, a, this is a great segue to how are you different from your character? Um, my character is super... Not bitchy, but just, like, very cynical and cranky, and I think that I definitely have that aspect of my personality, but um, that's not all of it. Like, I'm not just, like, a total shithead, basically. So I think, um, yeah, that's, uh, like, I'm definitely a little bit more friendly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and not as, not as pessimistic as me. Like, I don't hate people. I love people. Especially, like, the people in my life. And I don't hate everything. And that's just sort of, like, an exaggerated, when I get very misanthropic, that's the, the cartoon thing I run with. But, um, yeah, and then there's, like, you know, fluid sexuality stuff that I don't put in comics. It's part of who I am. Um, family dynamic stuff. Uh, I, I tend to... Yeah, there's something I won't really talk about anymore. It's, like, my brother... I talked about his addiction stuff, but it was... This, the real story of, like, his addiction and my involvement in it is, like, much more gnarly than I'll ever put in a book just because it's his story. It's not mine. Yeah. I can't be like, but I was present, so I get to tell it because yeah. it's not fair. So, yeah, there's a lot of, like, those sort of aspects that I that I don't put in there. Just, you know, out of courtesy. Yeah. Or just, you know, wanting to keep it to myself. Yeah. And you look different than your character. Yes. I don't have, like, little <laughs> helmet hair, uh, short hair. I don't know why I decided to do that. I just kind of sat down and, like, drew that character. It was, like, an amalgamation of... Um, I actually sat down with, a, it was, like, a Sunday Funnies newspaper and, like, copied certain aspects of to figure out what I was going to do mm-hmm. and then I remember this Charles Schultz quote about how it's just like the most simple your character is the more people can project themselves into it mm-hmm. so I did I just came up with that character and I was like good enough I'm done and not realizing that it would be something that was going to span my life my career the mm-hmm. whole lifetime of it I just thought I was making comics for like my boyfriend yeah <laughs> my friends do you ever think about changing your drawing style yes. 
all the time. My diary comics are very different. They're, like, much more um, arty, sort of. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... They're not, like, clean with a micron. They're very sketchy, and the, the, the my character is much more realistic-looking. So not as, like, cute and cartoony. It's just more like a person. I've read different comics and been like, I wish I could draw my character like this. And it's not because it's outside of my artistic ability. It's just because I'm, like... In my head, I'm like, well, I already draw it like this. Yeah. So how in the world could I simplify my... How in the world could I draw my character a little bit different? That seems impossible. I thought about drawing, like, just totally scrapping the old character. And, like, because the new stuff is a little more serious in material. So I was like, maybe I should just have a little bit more serious style. But then I was like, I don't know. Like, when I'm looking back on this when I'm older, I don't think I'll care. Yeah. So maybe I'll just keep it with a consistency. Yeah. But, I don't know. Maybe I would. Who knows? The dog just put her head underneath the blanket and started sneezing. I mean, I also think I personally like to draw simple, hard stories. I like to draw in a simple way so you can kind of get through them faster. Yeah. Because for me, it is like being in that horrible moment again as you're spending four hours or however long drawing it. You're like, here I am. So that thing you were saying about, like, after a day of drawing your boyfriend being like, let's go hang out with people. I get what my friend called, like, spooky writer's face. Where you come out of it, for me, it's like I just took off like the Lord of the Rings Frodo ring, where I'm just like, ah, like I've just yeah. been in like a dark cloud of the past. Yeah. And yeah, I'm coming back to... Yeah, you're like shell-shocked. You're like a little zombie-ish. Yeah. It's, well, that's why I had to back off of it, like in 2011 when I backed off of working on it, because I was like, I don't know like what's real anymore either. Like what's happening and what's the comic, and I just have to like step away from it so I didn't have that yeah. sort of shell-shocked. Oh, my gosh. He's so cute right now. He looks like a bat. Oh, Panyo loves this. Panyo's mouth is open while you're petting Panyo's stomach. Are there kind of moralistic things that you bring into your comics? Like, like I know for me, sometimes, like, if I draw something bad about somebody, I'll write, like, as many good things about them. Um, yeah. Do you have any kind of policies? To, like, or, balance it out? Yeah. Um, or, I, or I will be like, okay, I need to tell this from my perspective, and I need to make myself look bad. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not just using yeah. this as, like, a tool, my platform as a tool to, like, hurt someone that was a jerk to me. Yeah, I don't know if, I mean, I'm definitely aware of how much of, like, I tr- if I try to put people in a good light when I have them in a book. Like, just talk about, like, the funnier things that they've said or done. But I, with my character, like, you just sort of said the same thing. I'll make my character the shitty one. Mm-hmm. Just to be, because I'm like, I can take it. I'm the one who put it in here. Yeah. So I'll take one for the team. And um, that's probably how it also shook out in real life, so... <laughs> Where I was... I was the garbage character. People are like, oh. Oh, I'm glad you noticed. Glad right. you noticed that that's, how, that's what was going on. But I was doing... So right now, I keep doing these sketchy comics about my mom. I'm living at my my mom's house right now. Um, just because I, I left New York last year, and I didn't know where to go. So I'm, I'm staying in my mom's garage, and I go on these daily walks with her. And my mom's just maybe the funniest person I know, but, like, accidentally... So mm-hmm. she'll just go on these rants, and they crack me up. And she has no idea she's being so funny. So I'll just do these little sketches about her. And like, and very recently, so I do stuff for The New Yorker, and they were like, hey, can we put your mom comics? Like, on the, And I was like, but is this me, like, making fun of my mom? Or is this her actually being funny? Because it's not intentional. So maybe I'm just making fun of her. I had a little bit of a crisis about it. But then I showed her, and she was like, no, I'm hilarious. Put it on. <laughs> and That's I was like, nice. okay. 
Well, that's what it was like when I worked with senior citizens and I would draw comics about them and they were being unintentionally funny. But the mm-hmm. things they were saying, you were like, what? Like, I don't know if you remember, like, my friend Mark brought Fart Party to the senior center. And I was like, Mark, I can't believe you brought Fart Party here. Just because it has the word <laughs> fart in the title and they're like 80 years old. And one of them's like, it's totally natural. Farting is very natural. And I was like, well, I don't know. I have never done it. And she was like, what? Like, I probably was farting as I was saying that. And right, I was like, I've sure. never. She's like, oh, well, I don't know about you. You're not natural. Like your teeth. Like she thought I had fake teeth. And also that I, she thought I was, I was just giving Mark a hard time. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway. That's she, all very funny of her saying all of that. Yeah. But so, yeah. but so I would, I would print all of that and then um, they loved it. They were like, we're represented. And the represented is more than just, like, sad old people. Yeah. They're, like, spry, funny. Yeah. I like those the ones with, like, old people being, like, full of life and being humorous. And yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely think... I don't think... And besides my brother, no one's ever been like, I don't like the way that, you know, that came out. Yeah. But now when I... Anyone, I, even with my brother, if I put him in, and as long as they're, they're being funny or just kind of there, they're, they love it. Like, everyone likes... Yeah. You know, like, you're special if you make it in. Yeah. So, I don't think anyone has a problem with it. Ponyo, come here. Oh, Ponyo, how to go grab something? Who knows what it was. What advice would you give to young cartoonists? Um, don't write for an audience in your early stuff, I would say. Write for yourself. Because mm-hmm. I think my early stuff was very much written just for me or just for my friends. And I think if I had started writing for an audience, I don't think I would have gotten as far with it. Mm-hmm. Because I would be too self-aware of like what's coming across and what's not um don't be so precious i guess about artwork what do you mean uh taking too long to do it you know just reworking and rewriting and i understand that because i just went through the process of reworking and rewriting a bunch of stuff but i regret it you know i wish i was just like confident enough to be like you know what fucking good enough Mm -hmm. put it out life's short move on so just don't linger too much i guess Mm. that's Uh good advice yeah what tools do you use uh, if I'm doing the autobio stuff, it's just, it's very basic. It's like Strathmore paper, a heavyweight, mechanical pencil, and a micron. I have tried so many other felt tip markers, and I always come back to micron, but then after two pages, you have to throw them away. That makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. When, I'm, when you're using it, and it's the last one, and it starts running out, and it's like midnight, so you can't get it from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, I order them in bulk now. And it's not even that the ink runs out for me. It's just that the felt tip gets a little bit too mushed down. So I have a perfectly good pen that I've only inked two pages with. And then I'm just like, I can't throw it away. So I just put it in this drawer that has like a thousand microns in it. And, um, oh boy, someday someone's going to open all those and be like, oh, this is a hoarding situation. You're going to be like, it's a collection. Right. Uh, But if I'm doing the cityscapes, I do them with um, a carbon nib pen that just has the carbon ink in it. Mm -hmm. I wish I could do... You know, with like a nib and a nice dip ink because that ink doesn't lift when you erase and it's so much nicer. But again, at some point, I'm like, life's too short and this pen pleases me. Yeah. I've come back to microns against, I begrudgingly came back because rapidographs just, I use I use the same rapidograph for like seven or eight years, treating it poorly, just using water, like whatever. whatever. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I got in a spurt of them just getting clogged. And then it was like impossible to get them apart and it was mm-hmm. driving me crazy and it was hurting my hands trying to get them apart to clean them. Yeah, they really stick. Right? And then you just have like little jars of rapidographs that you're soaking in the kitchen and it's like, what am I doing? So then, <laughs> And I tried to write to the company because they were like, if you have any shitty rapidographs, we'll replace them. And, I tried, and they never wrote me back and I tried tweeting it and just finally I was like, they don't care about me. We'll 
fuck them. And I just... What do you think... But what if they, like, release that as a... Is like a company statement, and then every artist was like, "My photograph's shitty," so they were like, oh, "We have to not answer these because that's every yeah. photograph we've ever released." They're like, "Oh, they all clog like that," but yeah. it would just drive me crazy because then, like, you try to break, you kind of sometimes tap them, and then ink would just like fly all over the page, mm-hmm. and so finally, I was like, "We have to break up. I don't want to, but we have to break up." So then I started yeah. getting micron pens again, even though I think they're tra- they're trash because they're literally trash. Yeah, they're trash pens. But I just, yeah, I did the same thing with, especially with the pedographs. I was doing diary comics with the pedographs, and I was like, I just don't have time or energy for this, and it ruins so many things. And I already get ink everywhere when I just change out the carbon cartridge because I never learned my lesson, which is like, don't put anything in your mouth when you're dealing with ink. So like, I'll pull things with it, and then I'll just like ink everywhere all the time. I never learned my lesson, so I, I should go outside when I do. I was in someone else's studio in when I was in um, Colorado. And I pulled it too hard, and it splattered all over their uh, their drapes, their window. And I was just like, oh, no. And it was like a brand-new studio. What'd you do? Well, I emailed them, and I was like, I've got ink all over your brand-new studio. And he was like, oh, that's okay. It's like an artist thing. And I was like, oh, thank God. But, um, and I think also I looked closer at the curtains, and they were just sheets. Oh, <laughs> so good. You're like, these beautiful, beautiful yeah. curtains. <laughs> no, I've... I've definitely done that, and I even, I was subletting a tiny house in Richmond, Virginia, doing a residency, and I spilled ink, and the ink went into the cracks of the table. Oh, no. The crack, like, the, in, into, onto, like, the wood floor, and in between the cracks of the wood floor, and the table had a leaf in it, so it was, like, in between. It was just a lot of bad stuff was happening. And then a Maroon 5 song came on, and I couldn't get up to change it because I had to do this ink thing really fast, or else it was going to dry, and I was like, this is hell. Hell is cleaning ink from in between the leaves of a white table while you well, are listening to a place. terrible Maroon 5 song that you cannot turn off. That would be. Yeah, where, you know the idea where everyone's like, what's your worst, that, like, the worst five minutes of your life is what will play out for eternity. Yeah. If you're in hell, that would be, that would be it. I don't even like listening to you talk about that story. Because <laughs> like, ink is like, more ink is it. coming as it drips down, and then I'm just like, where do I, where do I go? And yeah. there's just like not enough rags or paper towels in the world, and yeah. So that's my, that's my version of hell. There was a, this is not an ink story, it's a pee story that's similar to this, but um, so my, my boyfriend recently had a really bad bike accident. I probably, I don't think he'd really want me to tell this story. Oh. I'll tell a different pee story. Okay. Thank um, God you have so many chambered. Right, yeah, I got them ready to go. This is embarrassing for me, but I don't really... I'm like... A, I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I was embarrassed. I showed some lady my vagina on accident yesterday in a story. She walked in on me in the bathroom, and I was just like... <laughs> like you were like... You <laughs> had like, your leg up like... I was like, like zipping a, up, and oh. it was very gratuitous. It was a whole thing. But uh, that's not... So I was... Uh, you know Aaron Rainier. Yeah. So um, when he lived in New York... Uh, we had just, so I used to work at a bar and, uh, we would just drink way too much there and I was back at his house and I was sitting on the ground laughing and I started peeing and I couldn't stop and it just kept spreading, but he had artwork that he was turning into for a second, like that weekend and it just went everywhere. (laughs) The pee got on his artwork? I, you know, my memory of what happened is fuzzy, but I do believe it did. Walker Bean? Yeah, so we'll have to email him and ask him if I peed on his artwork. But it was definitely all over, like, the floor of his bedroom. And I was just like, I'm so sorry. He can say it's tea-stained. Oh, God. I don't think anyone would buy would buy that. Well, especially now that now that the world knows this story. Now that the world knows. Maybe someone will want to buy those pages on eBay. They'll be like, they're done by one cartoonist, but urinated on by another cartoonist. Yeah. That'll, God. <laughs> yeah. 
What's uh, I'll, I'll email him this afternoon and see if I did. I yeah. should know that. That's funny. Hey, Aaron, did I ever pee on your art? I think that's it for me. Is there anything that you always wish people would ask you that they don't ask you? Mm, that's a good question. I don't think so. Mm. I don't know. Is there anything that people ask you over and over and over again? Uh. It used, well, it used to be like, what does fart party mean? Which was fine, because I always understood why that was a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. But um, actually, it was so, well, it, just, it was like just a funny, just a funny thing that my boyfriend said. But the other day, we, um, ah, that's too involved of a story to tell. Anyways, yeah, what, is, what does fart party mean was a, was a question I got a lot. Or what is, I think every artist hates this, is like, what's your inspiration? What's your inspiration? What about, like, why comics? Why? Do people ask you that? People ask yeah. me, like, why? And I so I used to answer at a certain point. I was like, like, Joan Rivers at some point said, like, because people would say, why are you a comedian? She'd be like, well, you don't ask a nun why she's a nun. It's just a calling. Yeah. It's just something that you do. Yeah, and it wasn't like I sat down and, like, considered my career options and was, like, cartoonist. That sounds, that sounds like it's a good path to take. I don't think anyone was really, like... Yeah, that sounds like a secure future, and like I won't have to work all the time. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm wondering if there's a, a way that I can be poor but also work every day of the week. Yeah, is work that more than anyone. I would like to write a book and then draw it, and then rewrite it, and then probably redraw half of it. That sounds like a good career choice. And then trace over those drawings, yeah. just one, and then scan them in, <laughs> and, and then clean them up. Yeah, no, why cartoonist? Why anything? Why is anyone anything? It, it feels faster to me. It's not faster, but it feels more expedient than having to explain something in words. Yeah. Yeah. Or being able to Just draw get it. it out there and be like, here, here's the answer to your question. Here's the setting. Well, Julia Wirtz, thanks for being on Sagittarian Matters. Thanks for having me. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. What's your sign? Uh, I am a Capricorn. <gasps> what that, does that mean? That's the greatest. I mean, I have a Capricorn moon and rising, which means I have a lot of Capricorn. It means you're hardworking. Oh, that's not very fun, though. No, it's not. It's not a fun sign. It's like the opposite of fun. Like, have you heard this Harvey Sid Fisher astrology songs? Mm-mm. The Capricorn one, a line is, I make love by the numbers. I'm not bored by routine. <laughs> Where the other ones will be no. like super sexy and Capricorn is like, sure. I love rules. I love working. I love routine. Oh, that's really funny. I guess I have like the work part in it, but I definitely, I like my routines, but I'm fine like having them go away or changed. You might have something more fun elsewhere in your chart. I hope so. But I'm going to go Google it now. Once an astro- a passive-aggressive astrologer cornered me and was like, oh, it totally makes sense that you have so much Capricorn. You're totally bitter, melancholy, and traditional. And I was like, <laughs> cool, thank you. Thank you so much for doing my chart behind my back. I really appreciate that feedback. Wait, are there any signs that no cartoonists are? Like, what if we all have a lot of Capricorn in us? And, like, I'm- no one is, like, a... I don't know enough about astrology to say, but like a Virgo or something. I haven't met any cartoonists that are Scorpios. The like super sexy, (laughs) super sexy Scorpio. And I've met surprisingly few who are Virgos, which would make a lot of sense. Hmm. It seems like we would all be Virgos or Capricorns. I think if you're if you have if you're like a super sexy, fun personality, the last thing you want to do is like sit down and 
have uh, the hours and art suck all that out of you. You yeah. want to like go out and put it in the world. You're going to be living it, not rehashing it. Yeah, over and over and over. 